0: I'll tell you, I struggle a lot with, you know, for instance, things going on at a national level. I I don't know how to change that. But what I do know how is break it up and I can make an impact in my family and my my friends, with my neighborhood, maybe in my city if I work really hard.
1: That was Dan Hanrahan, co-founder of Indianapolis-based Halster. We'll hear more from Dan on episode 20 of the Hopeful Hoosier podcast. I'm your host, Andy Dix. The Hopeful Hoosier Podcast is sponsored by AD Growth Advisors, an Indianapolis-based executive coaching and advisory firm. As a board-certified executive coach, I work with founders, C-suite, and senior executives and nonprofit leaders. One thing they have in common is they are gifts. Gifts are growth-oriented and committed to personal and professional excellence, inspired to pursue an idealistic, meaningful mission, fun to work with tenaciously taking on challenges and resistance and seeking to make a significant positive impact in our world. If that sounds like you or the better version of you that you would like to become, then let's talk about creating your ABC growth plan. Let's see if there's a way for me to help you be your best at doing your good. To learn more about my growth-oriented approach to development, visit us on the web at adgrowthadvisors.com. You're listening to episode 20 of the Hopeful Hoosier podcast. What do you do if you're a guy who loves trucks and technology? If you are serial tech entrepreneur Dan Hanrahan, you drive a truck around mulch and lumber mills and try to envision a way for new technology to provide a solution that not only is good for business, but is also good for the local community. Dan and his Hallstars at Hallster.com call it spreading the good. I love Dan's infectious, hopeful, and encouraging approach to life and business. Listen in as Dan shares some true pearls of wisdom about doing good, doing good business, and doing a good life as well. <laughs> let's get right into this Holster story because it, it is an interesting one. And what story do you tell to help someone understand really the importance and the difference that you're trying to make with Holster here in Indiana?
0: As far as Holster goes, as you know, I've I've traditionally been a tech uh, founder and, you know, I really sat down and evaluated what was important to me in life. And, and as I get older and my kids are getting older, I I'm, I'm just going through more and I don't want to get on planes. I, I want to impact my local community. And so I just really, I went out and met a ton of smart people. And I started making a checklist of what was important to me. Uh, in that process, I was I was just curious and aware. So my kids were bringing home crazy fundraisers from school, where they were supposed to literally knock on doors and and sell trash bags. And you know, I'm sitting here trying to think about what I want to do with my life, and I'm I'm going to Lowe's or Home Depot and picking up you know dozens of bags of mulch and struggling with this thing. And the serendipity of life just sort of connected those two things. I, I was out meeting smart people. I met people that really knew the business of mulch and. I, I was passionate about helping Indianapolis, where my kids go to school, the teams they play on, the nonprofits I admire. While I was doing that, solving the problem of mulch, so we we built a company. It's called Holster H A U L S T R, and it's really a fundraising platform. And we just happen to offer mulch. We make it very easy for homeowners, kind of like DoorDash convenience for for what has traditionally been tough with mulch. And at, at the same time, we give thirty dollars back from every order to local nonprofits and causes. So we've been up and running for about a year and have about 60 Indianapolis nonprofits on board, and we'll give back a million dollars to those businesses by the end of next year.
1: And this is really an interesting twist because you didn't develop an app and technology first. You saw a need of a business that was a long-term business, and then you developed the tech to really make it even more effective and
0: efficient. Tell, tell me a little bit how that happened. Well, I was adamant of finding an established industry. I, I was really, really interested in the world of lumber. Everything from standing forest to, you know, the desk in your office. And so I started visiting sawmills and I went to mulch yards and I, I just met fascinating people. And one of them, his name was Frank Kidos. And he's he's one of my two partners. And Frank works with a lot of the mulch yards. And he, he just saw the first-hand struggle across the country at literally every mulch yard, how hard and how difficult it was for homeowners to actually get the mulch they wanted. It really came down, Andy, to who are smart people that I trust and what's a local problem that I can solve. I didn't know how to reach homeowners. And and so maybe I'm lazy, but we said, hey, let's let's actually just bring in a bunch of causes uh, where our kids go to school, et cetera, places that we care about, and we'll help them market a fundraiser. That's how we'll reach homeowners. And on the back end, we're just applying technology to make it simpler, to order mulch, to schedule it in advance, to get it installed for a nonprofit to promote a landing page and, and track results and get paid. Just, just you know, the ease of the internet or of Amazon, of Uber, of all these companies that make simple things more convenient. I wanted to find an older, established business and people that were really smart in that business that knew things that I did not know, and, and, and then I could do what I what I love, and that's apply tech and, and sort of marketing to, to problems. So. Uh, That's kind of how it came about. So what's been surprising through this journey
1: for you about applying tech in the mulch industry?
0: (laughs) Well, I'll I'll say something. You'll you'll hear me hopefully come through, and and I I don't believe I I can be the best technologist. I don't believe I can be the best marketer. But I think our company can be the best marketing technology business in mulch. (laughs) Right. <laughs> so if you just keep shrinking things, you can be the best. And <laughs> and especially when you surround yourself with really smart people. I grew up as a, you know, my first job out of college, I just wanted to find the smallest company I could find, and I found a two-man shop. They were in the recruiting business. And so I spent 8 years helping a company now called Brooksource open new markets and grow that business. And I just learned so much from them, but at the end of the day the most important takeaway is if you hire great people that can that are smarter than you, that can do different things than you, then your capacity to learn and grow as a company—it's just so much more fun than surrounding yourself with you know similar people uh, that have the same skill sets. So I think that recruiting angle—that that, that is like literally the foundation of of any any success that, that I've seen in in the world—is your ability to surround yourself with a great team. And I'm not sure I'd been able to put my finger on that, but just again serendipity to start my career in the recruiting world that that was really fortunate
1: so having the right people is certainly important but having a role that kind of fits you as a person is important too and it's interesting because you you shifted out of sort of the traditional tech office cube world and traded in for a
0: pickup truck <laughs> yeah tell me about that I, I did actually. If I rewind the clock a little bit back to 2008, I had another similar transition, and I, I was getting ready to start a company. And I, I, I looked at a lot of non-tech companies, and I looked a lot of, at a lot of tech uh, ideas. And at that point in my life, I, I just really felt that I had another—I had a run in technology. I really wanted to do technology. Uh, I had the same experience in, in 2012. So I'd always been sort of looking, I, I love being outside, I love cutting wood, I love spreading mulch, I love cutting the grass. I, I, and I love the un, unsuspecting person driving around in a pickup truck that has a fantastically successful, but maybe unsexy business. And so earlier in my life, I, I just had more to learn and I, and I wanted to, to learn more in tech. And, and then at this time around, I had an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm gonna do something that is, that is an unsexy, non-tech business that adds you know, real value uh, even if it's just in a small world locally today. And so for a long time, I sort of knew that I enjoyed that kind of work and that kind of uh, business. I was also super curious about tech. And it's not that I've learned everything that I could learn there. It's just that I felt like the time was right. I could learn more here and, and apply some of the things i would learned. Like, in, I can't write a lick of code. I can't write anything. You, the last thing you would want me to do is write code, but I could find great engineers. In this world, I, I really knew nothing about mulch coming in. Uh, I just I have a ton of respect for, for the people that you know, run the mulch yards and Frank and Travis, my partners in this business. So it was, it was just really something that was always there in me. But maybe when I was younger, I was attracted to the fast and the, the new. And then and as, 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 as I've grown, I, I like applying that to old businesses and local markets. That's become really, really fascinating to me.
1: And you've, you've had quite the journey through technology, uh, through some of Indianapolis's most known startups and technology, and uh, were involved with Sigster, among others. And now I'm just wondering, how has your business philosophy sort of evolved, and, and how would you describe it now as you're founding yet another tech company here?
0: My business philosophy is... <laughs> Well, I'll say a couple of things. One is that, you know, as a founder, we sit around and we make up companies. We literally make them up, right? We give it a name. We pour so much of our time into them. It's not, the the company is not, certainly not synonymous with anybody's identity. And at the end of the day, the only reason a company's worth creating in the first place is if it helps the people that are in that company blow away their goals, right? Personal and professional. Otherwise, why create it in the first place? I guess the traditional measures of success, notoriety, money, and those types of things, it's become clear to me that those are not what drive me. What drive me are the freedom to you know, spend time with my family, the freedom to go out and explore interesting parts of the world, pieces of business that I, that I haven't had a chance to learn yet. And so as I guess as a business philosophy, it's that the company serves the people and, and, and the people are not there to serve the company. And so you constantly with the team, with myself, uh, I was lucky in my first job, uh, my boss asked me to write down my goals when I was just a young you know, buck coming out of college. And I kind of laughed because I didn't think that was cool. But since then I've written down my goals, shared them with as many people as possible. And I've always asked my employees to share their goals with me and I give them my goals and vice versa. And and, and when we understand what we're trying to get out of life and, and how we want to essentially use this company to get there, we got to take care of each other. We got to take care of the, the business at hand at the end of the day, that company is there to serve the people and kind of not the other way around. So time is our most valuable asset. And, and if we're going to create a business, it better be a pretty darn good use of our time.
1: And that raises another interesting question is if the business is there to support the people and to help them achieve their goals, and then the reciprocal is because they do that, they're able to, to support and achieve the business goals. What role is appropriate for tech to play in businesses that these days
0: yeah, that's something I, I I've been asking myself you know quite a bit and, and tech for tech's sake, if I if I were to rewind the clock of all the tech or any business that I've started, the idea would be how, how do we provide something of value and if we choose to do so, how do we get to a place where we're in control of our own destiny meaning how do we sell more than we spend? right? How do we get to profitability and, and not just so we can make a bunch of money, but so that that business can operate it on itself. And, and, and I think that the value that you create, if you can't articulate that, right? Sometimes ideas that I've had that have been wild tech ideas in search of a problem, instead of going back and looking at a problem and saying, well, there's some people that have already, you've, you hear it all the time. I said it today, it's Uber for X, it's Amazon for Y. It's how do I apply a little bit of tech to a current business or a current business challenge in the right way so that, again, it's not tech searching for a problem, but it's a problem that we can apply some tech to, uh, to iterate and make make, make the world a little smoother. And then on
1: the other side of it, you use tech to do good because your tech option allows your company to not only operate profitably, but also purposefully because you are able to use your technology to help other
0: organizations fundraise. Tell us a little bit more about that. When we built Holster... Essentially, we were building a, a fundraising platform. We, we could take out mulch and plop in just about anything. And when I looked at fundraisers, like what was really hard for them? Well, the hard part was like, you know, if I, I don't know, maybe it's Mother's Day and we're doing flowers. And it's at the school, right, all the flowers show up someday. Some volunteers has to coordinate all those flowers. And then parents come in and, you know, maybe they're going through pick up line and they pick up those flowers and right, we give them to mom on Mother's Day or whatever it is. So the challenge of fundraisers is that you had to coordinate volunteers and you had to have a physical product that you had to handle and distribute. And so we, we essentially built landing pages for each of our 50 causes that we support in Indianapolis. And then we spoon feed them marketing content, literally copy it, paste it, put in the Facebook, your email newsletter, uh, enter the link to your landing page. So holster.com slash St. Matthew School or Habitat for Humanity or whatever it is. So each of our causes has a landing page. Then they, we give the cause marketing content that they share. And then when a homeowner clicks through and buys mulch, it's really easy. We just, we pay to $5 per yard of mulch ordered or $30 back to the nonprofit. And the homeowner gets mulch when, when they want it. And if they want it installed, it all happens seamlessly. So it's not that we've reinvented anything, right? The homeowner is still getting mulch. It's just much more convenient. And at the same time, our causes help us reach homeowners and we get to give back to them in a really meaningful way. So again, it's it's all technology that had existed and it's industry that had existed. It's just sort of applying them in a, in a new way.
1: So if I were going to be uh, coming to join the Holster team and we had just a couple of minutes to sit down and uh, you share the vision and the values of the company, what would you tell me to get me fully on board and to become fully Holsterized?
0: Choose local. I mean, that's one of the reasons I became so interested in your podcast and, and other people in Indianapolis that have a, a local angle. If we can influence our neighborhood and our city first. Boy, those, those are the places that I spend the most time, and that's the most meaningful for me. So it's not that Holster has to stay in Indianapolis, but when, when we go to other markets, which we will this year, people in those markets will go find causes they're passionate about, and they'll replicate our model, which is great. Uh, but lo- choose local, spread the good. Like every Initially, uh, you could come in and order directly from Holster, or you could order through one of our causes, we got rid of that. Every single order goes through one of our causes. And if you don't want to choose one, then that's okay. We put a bucket of money over here. And at the end of the, the month, we choose the cause that's most worthy and, and we, we donate that to them. So literally every order we, we donate back to a cause regardless of whether it was direct or uh, generated by them. So it, it just, it, it means a lot more to choose local, to spread the good. Uh, the, the third is keep things simple. And the fourth is experiment, right? Where it's, it's classic software stuff. In software, it's a minimally viable product. Like, what's the smallest piece of software that you can build that adds value in the world? Get it out there and grow it. For us, it's what's a quick experiment that we can run in Indianapolis. Like this year, this year we did Firewood, and it was you know really successful and gave us a fall fundraiser for for our causes that we support. So those are a few of the things. Like, just just always keep your eyes open, keep looking, choose local, and 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 think about you know a, a cause that's bigger than yourself as you're going through that work.
1: When you kind of reflect back on the year that was, what did the virus and the pandemic response really force your company to
0: to learn oh it's crazy. I mean, we literally started the company in January, we built the website, we recruited all these causes, we were ready to roll, and March came around and that's mulch season. The first, you know, that's right about the time everything shut down. So I was super pumped. I'd printed out yard signs. I'd printed out flyers uh, for all of our schools that we were supporting. And literally they closed everything. Like all the schools were closed. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, oh man, this is crazy. And at first, like anybody, you, you kind of look at it and you're like, woe is me. But at the end of the day, you know, it, it was just a momentary fleeting feeling. My family was healthy. Uh, There's no reason that we couldn't go out and succeed. And what actually ended up happening with COVID, uh, we're in a delivery business. We have fleets of of trucks. You know, we did couple thirteen hundred deliveries last year. We'll do seven thousand this year. And there's no traffic. And and the other thing that you know, you never know. Like any situation that life throws at you, it's kind of like, okay, let's see what happens. But what ended up happening was people stayed home and they had nothing to do, so they ordered mulch and spread it themselves. I <laughs> mean, <laughs> we didn't have install last year, so you know that was huge. A lot of years they probably would have had it installed. We've you know since gone back and, and added installation. but so there's no traffic on the roads. People didn't have anything to do. So like our trucks would show up to dump mulch and it was like Christmas. Kids were like literally like super excited for something different that was going on and the parents could get outside And, and, and so yeah, there were some challenges. Some of our partners, you know, they just had so much on their hands it was hard to uh, to add anything new. but overall, you know we, we we had a great year
1: i love the the line that you use about spreading the good obviously in the mulch business that that's just a natural tie-in but when you think about that personally what matters most about what you're doing at holster to you
0: so there's there's you know this was before holster but something that in my head like there's sort of the golden rule at sigster we call it the signature rule right and and but what 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 you know at Holster it's spread the good but for me personally it's we only have so much time and for me it's the greatest net good like if somebody's willing to spend their time with me I don't want to waste it and and I don't want to waste my time it's it's so precious and and so with Holster I, I think number one is it's a I'm trying to work with people that want to one day run their own business when what I had when I was 22 to watch two guys open a business and run it was incredible So our employees all know everything that we're doing. They're involved in uh, all the decisions. They know all the good, all the bad. And my goal is is that I know most of them want to run their own businesses one day. And and just trying to understand, okay, what is it that's holding you back? Is it time? Is it money? Is it expertise? You know, all the excuses that we all normally have. And so if, if Holster can be a platform to launch new businesses, for instance, we want to break out our trucking business. We want to have a mulch business, and we want to have a small trucking uh, fleet that can serve any business. And, and and so it's like, okay, who here could run that? We could use a lot of the same tech. We could use Holster as a, our biggest customer and have seven thousand deliveries immediately available. Does anybody want to do that? And, and so, using Holster as a platform for others to, you know, launch their own businesses or to learn and then go away and launch their own businesses. If that happens in the ten years down the road there's a handful of businesses we've created and a handful of people that we've worked with that have had the opportunity to go out and do something on their own. That would make me really happy.
1: Dan, you're a really rare breed here in Indiana. You're not only a tech entrepreneur, but you're a serial tech entrepreneur. What in your experience have been some of the maybe advantages and disadvantages of being a startup entrepreneur here
0: in Indiana? Well, at the end of the day, I go back to what I said before, it all comes down to people. And and no matter what kind of business you're starting, you need a lot of help. And I've been really, really lucky to to do that in my hometown, right, where I know a lot of people and, and we're all super friendly and eager to help, right? So I, I've had a ton of help in the city where I have the best relationships. Uh, I mean, so that goes without saying, but specifically Indiana, there's incredible talent here. But the cost of living is such that I can recruit a handful of engineers that, you know, live a fantastic life, you know, for for what a a company on the coast, right, it would cost double or triple. And the loyalty, too. Like in Indiana, a lot of the people that I worked with in 2001, I still work with today. You know, maybe not directly in Holster, but the the loyalty that exists and that there's less sort of job hopping. So, those are a few things, right? Just a a friendly, help-first sort of attitude, uh cost of living—that's incredible, and talent—that's amazing. And and at the end of the day, it's it's where my relationships are. So there's 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 nowhere that uh, personally I, I I could have been more successful than in Indianapolis.
1: Do you feel like you're missing anything career wise or professional development wise by being here and not being out in Silicon Valley or someplace similar?
0: No, and I don't know if it's a chicken or the egg thing. I, I ended up in you know building a couple of. Uh, initially, e-commerce technology, and then the second company was marketing tech. First company was acquired by Exact Target, and I, maybe it was just lucky. Maybe we started that company because there was marketing tech talent and expertise in Indianapolis. But I, I, I didn't know anything when I got into those businesses. But guys like Chris Baggett took a phone call when I—he had no idea who I was. He was one of the co-founders of Exact Target, and he helped me understand that instead of taking two hundred fifty thousand dollars for that uh, as an investment for that first company. Maybe I should just take one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars and see what happened, and that was enormously helpful. And then Exact Target acquired that business, and then with Sigster, High Alpha, and Scott Dorsey, and Eric Tobias, and Mike Fitzgerald, and Christian—I mean, shoot—we were the first company to launch out of High Alpha. I mean, I had those guys literally in my business all, all, all day. It was—I was learning at warp speed. So, you know, if I was in Nashville, I'd probably be in health tech or music or something, right? And, and Indianapolis has such a uh flourishing tech scene because of the marketing tech world but i think there's so much more going on today than just marketing tech you
1: touched on it why don't you fill in a few more gaps and share some of the landmark moments or milestones from your autobiography so far
0: i I would say the you know coming out of school you know my, my dad had had always you know been he'd been with the same company since the day he graduated he passed away three years ago thanksgiving and the reason I shared that story about my dad is because I said, dad, I, I don't want to work at, you know, John Hancock or these other big companies that were on campus interviewing. I said, I just want to work at the smallest company I can find. And to somebody who had had a career like him, you know, he, sh- he probably should have said, well, that's silly, that's not very responsible. We just helped you get through college. What he said was, only dead fish swim with the stream. And I was like, dad, what in the hell are you talking about? <laughs> And he sort of had these ways, these, he, he ended up calling them pearls of wisdom and he would write them down for me every now and then. When he passed away, I, I dug up some of those things. But basically what he said was, don't do what everybody else is telling you to do. You know, find your own path. And as a 22 year old, you know, I immediately stopped and had just a, such a great respect for him. Now everything that he said, he wasn't trying to tell me to do it his way. He was encouraging me to go find my own path. And I think it's so, such a good example of you know my way is not necessarily the right way may not be wrong in my career i'll give you one example at sigster the company got to about 50 employees i had had the conversation with the high alpha guys when we started the thing that boy i I know i wanted to grow it to about 50 employees that's what our last company was it was a lot of fun i don't know if i'm as smart as scott dorsey and want to grow it to a you know bajillion dollar tech exit and so we got to that point and lo and behold i wasn't having as much fun and and i had to walk into you know my partner's my investor's office and say guys we got to hire a ceo there's somebody that can do this better there's somebody better at process and and product and some of the things that i'm not really enjoying if we can get that person in it might be hard but you know i I can focus on what i love and and that's building new things and so we brought in a new ceo at sigster and i had to hand off the company i founded but i wanted to do that and 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 i was so much happier at home and everything else so that was a a big moment of kind of looking at yourself, trying to understand what makes you happy and being okay with the things that you don't enjoy. And maybe you're not that great at and, and, and Sigster's off and they had an outstanding exit. So those, just a couple of things, my dad, and then that sort of transition at Sigster. those, those were big, big moments in my life.
1: And then you took a interesting chapter out of Henry David Thoreau's life, and you built a log cabin <laughs> in the woods and decided to live simply. Tell me a little bit about that story. <laughs>
0: I did. Uh, another moment where I probably, you know, every, every, every sign was saying, Hey, just stay where you are. And you're in a great spot. Why would you change it? I was, uh, our company had been acquired by exact target. I had been at exact target about a year and it was St. Patrick's day. We always, th- we always have a great St. Patrick's day party. And my wife is knows I'm just kind of crazy and like have have wild ideas sometimes. And so at the end of that night, I was Jenny, you know, I, I think I'm going to quit my job. It's such a great company. I don't know what I want to do next. You know, let's move to Bloomington, where we went to college, and build a log cabin. We had two young kids at the time, and we'll figure it out. And just have some time to decompress, figure out what's important, and go. And she should have just said, you know, hey, you're having a midlife crisis. Go to work tomorrow. And <laughs> maybe you've had one too many Guinness. I don't know. <laughs> but we did it, and uh, we moved. to, We built a log cabin. We bought some land in Bloomington. Split a bunch of wood. And then just got back to the creative process and came out of that experience in 2012 with you know uh, Sigster, ready to rock. This is how I made that decision. I was like, on my deathbed, I'll look back. Will I will I regret not staying at this wonderful company and and having all kinds of success and money, or will I regret not taking some time before my kids are kindergarten age and being able to break away and get back to the woods and and really connect with my family and come out of there and and do something really meaningful next? And so that was one of the best years of my life.
1: Often, people when they talk about startup CEOs, they say they're they're either interested in being in control; they call it the king, or being uh, very wealthy. and And you can't do both very often. Being a wealthy king, because the the startup world is just not set up to do that. You have to surrender control a lot of times in order to end up wealthy and get a get a nice exit payout. How did you finally come to terms that? you are in fact going to probably be a serial startup person and that that's that's your sweet spot in life
0: well it's probably about a year and a half ago again i've had these these transitions in between where i've had some time like we built the log cabin then after sigster i took a i had a few months to really think about what i wanted to do and i had a checklist of i mean every day i'd come home with a you know some new company and i'd met some smart person and my wife would listen to my my ramblings about how great it was. and, and I, But but what I started to do is ask why, like, what about this is exciting to me? And then I had a checklist of three things. I, I'm the worst process person in the world, but I had a bit of a process here. And I, it came down to the three criteria that I evaluated every business against, and I would score them across all three of these. It was, is, is it a business that should be be operated locally, where we can make a big impact locally? Uh, that was one. The second was, does my family actually understand what in the world I'm doing? <laughs> 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 that was that was a crazy checklist criteria, yeah. but I wanted to talk about like they were so bored with what I was doing before, <laughs> especially my kids. And, and then the third would was was that it would really leverage what I knew, right? And and but apply it in a new way. Right. So could I apply, you know, things that I know and enjoy, tech, startups, marketing. In, in, in this business to, to be successful. So those are my three criteria that, uh, that, that and, no, and none of those were money, right? I wanted to find a problem that we would not need outside investment and we could grow organically and be in control of our own destiny. I, I loved my experience with High Alpha and, and Venture World, but I, I, I thought that we could build a different kind of business here. So those are those the things, again, local family and, and, and leverage the things and the people that, uh, that, that, that I knew to make it successful.
1: So now let's follow in your father's footsteps just a little bit. And if you had to give Dan's pearl of wisdom on your definition of success, what would you say that
0: is? Time well spent. Tell me some more about that. Well, do you really know what makes you happy? Have you really taken the time to understand the why, what your goals are? Uh, have you shared those with a lot of other people that can challenge you and ask you questions? The people you love and respect, not just the people that you're working with. And after they ask you the hard questions, and you you know you you kind of have your north star, that makes it really clear and easy to understand how to spend your time. Again, it's it's I, I I always we're we're all right. We all only have so many seconds, minutes, and hours. And I I I I waste time just like anybody else. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I, I love watching a sports game. I love. You know having a beer or, or coffee with a friend like and 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 recreation is great i'm not saying i'm I'm so deliberate and everything but but just you know am i making progress towards that why and and is my time in, in the workday spent you know in in that endeavor learning growing being curious having the freedom to pursue the things that are uh, going to get you closer to your goals uh, success to me is are are, are you in control like you, you said, you can be in control or you can be really wealthy. I, I can't be in control of much, but I, but I can be in control of how I spend my time and how I choose to do that and, and try to be more thoughtful. I'm not always great at it, but I, that's, I'm trying like heck to, to, to do that better.
1: You give back quite a bit to help mentor other startup entrepreneurs uh, here in the state. What's the most frequent piece of advice that you offer them?
0: Well, I think there's sort of two groups of people. One are people that want to start a business, but something's holding them back. And, and to those folks, it's it's really, you, you don't have to do it all right away, right? What is the number one thing preventing you from running your own business? You, you see you see it, you know you want to do it, let's go. And that doesn't mean you have to quit your job today, but like what, and my, my advice is what's one step, what's what's one right if you if you need to get to the top of the mountain or the top of the staircase it's one step or one you know one foot in front of the other so what's one step that you can accomplish this week if if you don't have the expertise can can you connect with somebody on LinkedIn and and just ask them humbly for some help if you don't have the time could you could you put a TV show aside that night and 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 jot down a few goals you have with the business if you don't have the money you know, could could you do it on the side, or could you reach out to some folks that that might be able to, to bring something to the table? So, what's one step? Like, what's holding you back? What's one step this week you can accomplish? And if you keep doing that, you know, but you'll, you'll, one of two things will happen: you'll figure out you have to go do this, and there's nothing that can stop you. Or, oh man, I really that, that's not something I'm gonna I'm gonna get after. But if you never try, if you never take that first step, you know, you'll never get there. So, I do that every day. You know, with with the with the other group of people, folks that are actually in the business and that are running the business and. In the fire every day, there's, it's a little, it's a little trickier because it's, it's, it's a little bit lonely when, when, you're in the fight, and, and you can't necessarily go to your employees and, and tell them your greatest fears, or you're supposed to be motivating and leading and have it all figured out. But I don't really subscribe to that. And being vulnerable and being honest, uh, but confident about the direction with your team, and then also having, you know, finding somebody else, maybe it's even somebody outside of your team or your investors or whatever, where you can, you can say, hey, man, this is hard. I don't have it all figured it out, but I'm gonna come back tomorrow and fight. And there'll be there'll be great days and bad days, but but you're making progress every day.
1: Dan, if you had to think about maybe three character traits that may won't maybe not guarantee success for an entrepreneur, but actually puts them in a in a better position to ultimately be successful than others. What would those three character traits be?
0: I've thought about this a lot. One, you mentioned Henry David Thoreau, self-reliant seeing a path, wanting to follow that path. No matter how many people tell you, no, I respect your opinion. I want to learn more, but but this is my path. So self-reliance coupled with curiosity, just finding people that are different than you, that have a different opinion, asking asking one level deeper. So seeing something new and, and just trying to understand it and, and, and learn about it. So self-reliance, curiosity. And then I think the third one I, I, is you got to be weird. Like not like strange, like creepy, but you've, you've got to be a little bit bizarre. And by bizarre, I mean weird. I mean, interesting. You, you have to find the, the, the niches in the world that are, that are fascinating and uh, be okay with being weird. And when I say that, you, you might be the only business guy in a room full of software engineers. You're weird to that group, right? If you're not weird, if you're the only you know, software guy in a room of software engineers, you're the only business guy, or the, you're a bit just a business guy and a, and a bunch of salespeople are all around you, you're, you're normal. And if you're not willing to be a little bit weird and curious about people that are different, be comfortable with that and and rely uh, that and trust yourself. Entrepreneurship can be really, really difficult. So those are the three that I go to, self-reliant, weird, and and curious.
1: And dealing with doubts is something that every entrepreneur has to do. What's your prescription to help deal with those 3 a.m. moments when you can't sleep and the problem doesn't seem to want to go away?
0: I rely on one of two things, either my family or Getting out, you know, for a long hike, doing some work outside, just uh, physical, close to nature sort of work, right? If 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 it's all business all the time, I would burn out. Some people, you know, you'll hear the war stories of how many hours somebody somebody working eighty hours. I've I've never worked eighty hours. I don't want to work eighty hours. I don't think you need to work eighty hours. But just you know, being able to work hard and, and diligent when you need to work. But then, you know, you you're. I woke up at two a.m. last night. I, I jotted some things down and, and I caught up on some, some sleep and you know tonight I'll take my son to basketball practice and this weekend we'll we'll get out to the woods with the family. So just balance and for me it's uh, you know family and you know getting outside.
1: Dan, you're you're somewhat of a, a dynamo of a person. And what do you find most energizing or satisfying about what you're doing?
0: I'm learning. I'm learning. I, I mean, I'm old. I'm 42 now, right? And I thought I had it all figured out when I'm 22. And as I get older, I realize that everything that I learn, there's 10 things to learn right behind it. If you're curious enough to look, I mean, mulch. Who would who would take a fascination and go to sawmills and dig into mulch? Uh, most people, when I start talking about it, are super bored. But it was just something that I found. I found it to be a fascinating industry, and but I could go probably deep on just about anything and, and I'm just I'm just curious and so that's what keeps me fired up is if I'm learning new things every day.
1: So what about the role of running this company actually brings
0: out the best in you? Hmm. <laughs> well the smaller a company is the more I'm enjoying it I, and I know I know Frank will likely run this business and, and and that is great and and that is who should run this business and as we get into this business I mentioned earlier that we, we we should probably break out our our delivery business and and uh, it should be a fantastic business all on its own a lot of people would look at that and be like oh man I just went through all that for a year and, and I, I wouldn't enjoy that for me it's more like okay this this business is doing pretty darn well and, and we've got a great person that can run it and and if we can launch this business we've kind of got an unfair advantage to, to reuse some of the resources from from holster and, and actually help holster be better so that's really exciting it's just uh, if if Frank will run this business. We'll start the trucking business. I'll have somebody at my side when we start the delivery business. And, and they'll ultimately take that over. And you know, other people tend to be more comfortable as things get more process and success behind them. I'm more comfortable when you got everything left to figure out and you're, you're messing five things up and doing them wrong every day, but you're getting 10 things right and making progress.
1: So what gives you the greatest sense of accomplishment?
0: Watching people around me grow. And, 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 you know, knowing that we've grown, we, we you know, I, I, it's not like I had a big influence on that, but just uh, we we created something from nothing. And one of the, our first full-time employee, she's a girl named Poe. She had always been in sort of a prospecting SDR role and, and she wanted to be a marketer. And so Poe, you, you're a marketer. <laughs> <laughs> and this this week she was, you know, writing SEO optimized pillar pages and doing I don't even know what some of the stuff that she's doing means. I just know it's uh she's a way better marketer than I am already. So, I mean, that's super fun.
1: What misunderstandings or maybe false beliefs do you think people have about business and especially
0: starting a business? I would say that anybody has it all figured out. The only thing like, I have said this a ton of times as a caveat, like uh, we put together we uh, one of my old coworkers is going to launch Holster in Pittsburgh and he's going to, you know, he's got his uh, kid's school signed up and some other things. And, and so we put together a, a sheet for him and we said, Hey John, here's the playbook. But before I give this to you, just know that it's all wrong and we're going to come back and look at it a year from now. And we're going to laugh at what we thought was right. And, and, and just, so I, I think that the biggest caveat is that any entrepreneur has it all figured out. It's like, we're, we're going to take our best guess at this thing. It's going to be wrong. And together we're going to figure out and make it better. So I, I think people think that, that folks running companies actually uh, know what to do all the time. And it's a, it's a lot of experimentation and learning and iteration to get, uh, to get it closer to right.
1: One of the things that people look for in their leadership is, is hope. And when you think your employees are looking to you for hope, what are they looking for and, and what do you deliver for them?
0: Well, I, I think when you look at starting a new company, or you look at you know anything big. Like, I'll tell you, I struggle a lot with, you know, for instance, things going on at a national level. I, I don't know how to change that. But what I do know how is break it up and I can make an impact in my family, in my, my, my friends, with my neighborhood, maybe in my city if I work really hard. So I think hope comes from knowing that you're not in it alone, that you have people around you, especially your friends, your family, your neighbors, uh, that you can make a big impact And it's the same thing is true with coworkers. It's like, guys, we don't have to change the world today. We just have to do this a little bit better than we did it yesterday. And if we do that for the rest of the year, we're going to build something really meaningful and and have a ton of momentum going into what's next. So it's, you know, we have that long term sort of vision. We want to make a big splash beyond uh, our city, but none none of that is as meaningful as, as making progress every day. And again, one step at a time and doing it with people you care about.
1: What does your ideal f- vision for the future look like?
0: I, I like a, an ecosystem in Indianapolis where where people that want to do things differently, that want to start their own business, that that want to build something, have a network and a, a support system and a mentorship group wh- where they feel like they can go do that and not in an investment. And, uh, but it's like, Hey, I I asked a lot of people who shouldn't have taken my phone calls along the way for help. And a lot of people gave me help. A lot of people, you know, were busy and had other things going on too, but to just, just make that sort of, if I want to be an entrepreneur, no matter what the business there, there's a support resource here for me. It's, it's been so meaningful for my family and my career to have that kind of help. And, and, uh, like to see that a little bit more easily accessible to others who don't know how to take that first step.
1: What's the number one way an individual can make a substantial difference in their local community?
0: Uh, Care. And it's just, it's just one, it's one, one person at a time. And, and, and to me, it all starts inside out. It's in my house, right? With my friends in my neighborhood. And then the communities that we uh, congregate, schools, teams, things like that. So just, just, just care. Ask somebody how they're doing, and really stop and 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 try to listen. I, I get all tied up and busy, and you know, and sometimes if I just take a deep breath and I look across the room and I see somebody over there that's you know, I should be paying more attention to, but I'm not. Um, it's you don't have to go out and sign up for a bunch of boards. You don't have to to be the face of the community. But whatever your sphere is, work inside out, and 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 I believe that's going to create a happier world for me. If I'm taking the time to give the time and attention to the people that are that are near me.
1: Gee, that sounds a lot like spreading the good to me.
0: <laughs> you got it. You got it. Again, we made up Holster just so I can take that philosophy and, <laughs> and and apply it to a business.
1: <laughs> yeah. What's the most important point for someone to take away from our conversation so far today?
0: There's nothing special about an entrepreneur. It, it's it, It's probably just somebody that didn't make a great employee. And, you know, if you don't like the way that something's run, if you think you can do it better, take one step this week to figure out if you really want to go do that.
1: What challenge would you like to issue to our listener who's listened so far and they've got an idea or a germ for a business or they've got a cause that
0: they want to support? What should they do? Ask why. Why is it worthwhile? Why is it worth your time? And if you succeed and you're, you're wildly successful, what does that look like? Not in terms of maybe just traditional measures of you know money or fame or whatever, is, is, is that gonna be the is, is that the best use of your time? So so why do you want to start that business? What do you really want out of the thing? How much time are you willing to put into it? And it, and is that really worth the effort? Because it's gonna be hard. Being an entrepreneur is just as hard as it's I don't know if it's harder than being an employee, but it's it's really darn hard. And so if, if you're not really grounded in the why and, and, and that doesn't very, very closely connect to your personal goals and, and what's really meaningful for you. At some point, you're gonna hit a hard a moment and you're gonna wanna quit. So I, th- I think just really, really asking why, and, and then also, right? can this business add enough value to stand on its own two feet? Even if you should be a venture-backed company, can you add enough value uh, that, that, that you can stand on your sales or the value that you're providing, uh, without somebody else, uh, investing. So I I think those are two things. Ask yourself why, and make sure that it's a real problem they're solving that adds value.
1: Dan, I'd like to get one more pearl of wisdom here. And you touched on it. When the entrepreneur hits the wall of adversity and they're ready to quit, what piece of advice or pearl of wisdom would you give them to go at it one more day?
0: I, I, well, I, I would say perseverance is the number one characteristic of a successful entrepreneur. And and, and I, I would I would say write your goals down and revisit your goals. So when you hit when you hit the wall, I I know why I'm personally in this business, and I, be, I I was crazy enough to to start off on this endeavor. So just if you write your goals down out of the gates, go back and look at them, adjust them if you need to, and then and then. Have a moment of leisure and come back and if you're and, and if and if those goals are still worth fighting for, get back in the fight.
1: And that's what makes you a hopeful hoosier.
0: <laughs> I love it. Absolutely. Proud to be one.
1: <laughs> Special thanks to Hopeful Hoosier Dan Hanrahan of Holster. You can learn more about how they spread the good and also get your mulch this spring at Holster H A U L S T R dot com. Our theme music was performed and composed by Indianapolis' own therapist, musician, speaker, author, and more, George Middleton. If you've enjoyed this episode, we greatly appreciate your positive comments and ratings wherever you download your podcasts. It helps us to spread our hopeful message to others. If you want to stay up to date with future episodes, please be sure to like The Hopeful Hoosier on Facebook. I hope you'll choose to do your part to make a better and brighter future for us here in Indiana. Until next episode, I'm your Hopeful Hoosier host, Andy Dix. Thank you for listening. The Hopeful Hoosier Podcast is a production of AD Growth Advisors Incorporated, an Indianapolis-based executive coaching and advisory firm. Visit us on the web at adgrowthadvisors.com. The Hopeful Hoosier Podcast, copyright 2021 by AD Growth Advisors Incorporated, all rights reserved.